Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Hello and welcome to the Echo Dispatch. I'm Jason Lewis, Chief Reporter at the Bournemouth Daily Echo. It is an absolute delight to share this latest episode with you which features one of the world's leading athletes in their field. Chances are, if you bump into Verity Crawley, she may well have a bowling ball in her hand. The Bournemouth-born star lives out in the United States of America, competing against the best in the business on the lanes. The former Bournemouth School for Girls student started out at her local bowlplex, but now she is on a journey to try and become the world champion. I jumped back onto Zoom to speak with Verity about her career to date and why she loves bowling. Our call took place just days after the US Women's Open, one of the biggest events in the sport, and I asked Verity what it was like to be playing in events like this. It is quite a surreal feeling, to be honest. Like when I sit down during a block and I look around and there's literally the best in the world. There's Hall of Famers to my left and to my right. And to think that now I'm kind of considered as one of the best, I, I, it's just quite an amazing feeling. And how did you get on for those that don't know in, in this year's event? I bowled really good in this year's event. Um, I finished 11th overall. Um, But I I gave myself a good chance to make the TV show. Top five people make it to the TV show. Fair play. Congratulations on that. And for those who don't know, how did a Bournemouth School for Girls student go from sort of being at the bowlplex in pool to being, as you say, one of the world's best in the sport? That is a fantastic question. And it's such a cool story, really. I started bowling when I was five. So it's something that I've done my whole life. It's something that... I always wanted to do, but I never really knew that I could take it to the professional level. When I was 18, I actually moved to the United States to study at university. I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to be able to bowl and study at the same time. And for me at that time, I, you know, I just finished BSG and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I didn't have this vision of, oh, I want to become something, right? All I knew was that I still wanted bowling to be in my life. And I felt that moving to the US gave me the best opportunity to be able to do that. In the US, you can bowl for the university. So you travel, it's about 13 weekends out of the year competing for the university. And that's an opportunity that I wouldn't really have had in the UK. So for me, it was a no brainer. I mean, it was a difficult decision to go 4,000 miles away from home in in a strange country. But for me, it was the bowling opportunities. And because of that, that really, I think, created the stepping stone to be able to turn professional. If I hadn't have gone to the US and I hadn't have studied at university, who knows if I'd even still be bowling. And, and did you ever, like, were there times early on where you thought, oh, what am I doing? I, just go, well, I really regret making this huge decision. I would say that I never really regretted it, but I always questioned, should I go home? Uh, For me, I'm very close to my family and I think that's one of the hardest things is being so far away from them and thinking, is it worth being this far away from them for bowling? And whilst I was still in university, I I didn't really know that I was going to turn professional. It wasn't actually until after I graduated that I made that decision. So all throughout college, I'm kind of set on the fact I'm going to go home after I've graduated because I wanted to be close to my family. And looking back, when and how did you sort of first get involved in Tempin Bowling? Obviously, most of us probably go with our families on a birthday party or with our friends. Was that sort of your similar first experience or was it something else? Similar. So my mum and my grandma had always bowled in leagues. So as a young kid, it was, okay, mum's going off to bowl league tonight. And I'm like, no, please don't go, right? Just like that attachment as a young child. And when I was five, my brother went to a birthday party um, down at Bowlplex and... 
I think what happened was we went to go pick him up, like my parents and, and me, we went, and there was a youth league happening at the same time. My brother loved the birthday party and we were approached by the people at the youth league, probably just giving out a flyer and giving out information about the youth bowling club. And we ended up joining and it was a club every Saturday morning we used to go and you would bowl three games. And I think my brother and I just got hooked. Uh, he was, he's five years older than me. So he was in an older average category. And I remember that I always wanted to get better so that I could be in the same average category as him. I'm thinking, why? I want to bowl with my brother, right? Like, I didn't feel like it was fair. So I used to stay after the YBC to bowl more because I just wanted to become better. And thankfully that YBC opened up a lot of opportunities to be able to travel around the UK to compete in tournaments. And it just kind of flourished from there. And I've got to ask, when did you first beat him? How old were you? Because I've got an older brother, I only have five years. And when I first beat him at tennis, it was a, a frosty dinner that day in, at home. I have no idea. It's not something that I kept track of, but I do remember the day that, you know, I went up into the average category, so I got to compete against him. And then they actually changed the format of the youth bowling club and it became a little bit different, so it didn't matter anymore. Yeah, and you touched, obviously, you went to America not necessarily knowing you wanted to do this professionally. So so when did you make that decision that you were saying that you were going to commit to and go professional with? So after I graduated uh, in the US, obviously you have to have a visa to be there. So after I graduated, I decided to get a work visa that I could get for a year, which would allow me to stay, experience the work side of the US. And then I was planning on coming home because again, I would only have that visa for a year. So during that year period, I was working, but I also competed in some professional events as an amateur. And that's really what sparked my interest. I was able to compete against some of the best in the world as an amateur. I actually had a decent amount of success in the events that I bowled and it made me think, huh, maybe I could do this. So the following year in 2017, I decided to turn professional and I was actually still working at the time. So it wasn't actually until 2020 when I decided to bowl full time with no, you know, extra side job. And what was the job? Was it a variety of jobs you were doing on the side? So I was actually coaching at a university. I was an assistant men's and women's coach for Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I moved from Florida, which is where I was when I graduated. I moved to Savannah, Georgia, and I was coaching there. And for me, it was the perfect scenario because in university, you have the summer off and my professional tour was during the summer. So I was able to coach in my technically my off season and then I wasn't coaching whilst I was bowling on tour. So it was kind of that perfect scenario. But in 2020, I decided that I wanted to try and bowl full time to allow me to experience bowling worldwide. There are a lot of events in Europe, a lot of events over in Asia that I was missing out on because I was coaching. So that was one of the main reasons that I decided, okay, I'm going to stop coaching so that I can bowl everything and then COVID hit. We'll touch on that shortly. Um, and what is it you love most about tempin bowling? Ah, oh, there's so many things, but I, I do love the fact that you can be five years old and you can be 95 years old and you can still bowl, right? So as much as a lot of people don't consider it as a sport and a lot of people don't know about the professional level, I just think it's so cool that there is such an access and such a huge wide range of ages that can compete and I think that's pretty special. Absolutely and for yourself professionally have you set yourself any goals or aims that you want in your sort of professional career? So my ultimate goal is to become a world champion one day 
Um, however, it's something I try not to think too much about. I'm very much on the mindset that my goals need to be process orientated and not results based. So I really try not to think about, you know, winning X amount of titles or tournaments or anything like that. But my dream, I think, since I've been a little kid is to be a world champion. You touched on the process. What just sort of, how do you train other than obviously just practicing bowling? Like, is there gym work? Is it psychological work? Like, what, what goes into your sort of training program as it were? everything so like you said obviously i spend a lot of time on the lanes um there's a lot of different preparation on the lanes but then i think the mental side is even huger than the physical side right because you can throw the bowling ball as good as you want to but if you tell yourself that you are rubbish and you're going to bowl bad then you are probably going to bowl bad so for me it's spending a lot of time on different mental game books learning different techniques as well as working on visualization Um, meditation and kind of going through that process so that I'm aware of what my thoughts are and so that I can control my thoughts when I'm in certain situations. Obviously, a lot of my situations are, you know, maybe I need to strike in the 10th frame to win a match. So I need to have kind of gone through those processes to learn what do I need to do in that situation to keep myself calm. And then there is the physical side of things. I have to work out because I'm throwing a 15 pound bowling ball for a lot of time for eight hours a day right we we tend to bowl 16 games a day is quite a common format for us so if I'm not fit then there is no chance I can bowl that amount of games I think about the last 18 ga- 18 days I bowled 153 games over that period which is a ridiculous number for anyone to do right and that's a 15 pound bowling ball so if I don't have some level of fitness then my body's going to be toast yeah, and just on that men's side of things, obviously with bowling, it's one of those sports where you're directly in sort of, I compare it to like the dueling, it's one-on-one, it's you versus whoever you're playing that day um, in certain formats. What's that like? And is that something you just have to sort of get used to the experience of those different situations? So for me, bowling's always been quite an individual sport, even from a young age. I feel like I've always been competing against somebody else. And it's just kind of what I'm used to. I feel like I thrive off those situations. There are some team events and as a young bowler, I bowled for Junior Team England. So I got to experience the team side of things. And then when I went to university, it was the same to where I'm bowling with seven other people that have that same vision that I have. And it's a completely different mindset because I'm stepping up on the approach and I have their support behind me. But then when I get to the professional level and I'm doing it all by myself, well, it's just me. And and how do you balance those two sort of different approaches? Is Is it just a case of experience and practice and putting yourself in those situations that's the best way yeah exactly I think it's just about experiencing it I do believe that when it comes to bowling with a team it's nice to have practiced with them and to be able to experience one another because everyone is different everyone likes to communicate differently so if you go to an event and you've never worked with them then I think it can be very difficult to create that relationship on the lanes because you want to be able to help one another and have that camaraderie but if if you've never worked with one another and you've never practiced together then I think it can be really difficult to create that. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. It probably seems a silly question, and one that Verity has probably had to explain to people before, but I was curious. How does the bowling ball that she uses differ from the one that I used when the Daily Echo staff recently went to Hollywood Bowl in Branksome? Oh, and by the way, I was the winner. So I have my own bowling balls, which one, they fit my hand correctly. So in most bowling centers, there will be a pro shop, 
and they will be able to measure your hand to get the ball to fit you correctly. That makes a huge difference because if the ball doesn't fit in your hand, it's a lot harder to throw it down the lane. So that is the first difference. My balls actually are, you know, specifically drilled to fit my hand. And then the balls that you're throwing just at Bowlplex, Hollywood, wherever it is, they're just polyester bowling balls and they don't have a core inside of them whereas at the professional level we have a range of different bowling balls with different cores and different cover stocks that are created to basically interact with the lane in a certain way we have oil patterns that are put down on the lane that oil can be put on different volumes at different lengths so we need the bowling balls with different cores that react differently to help us deal with those different environments there's a real lot of science to it by the sounds of it it's something that a lot of people don't realize a lot of people just think oh okay we're well, just gonna you know chuck a ball down the lane but when it gets to that professional level there's so much more technique and a technical side that really comes into it a lot of people don't even realize there's oil on the lane let alone knowing okay well you can bowl on 35 foot of oil but then there's 45 foot of oil what does that mean you can't do the sport without it so i guess there must be stories of a few people where they've had nightmare travel experiences or misplaced or, or stolen is that anything you've had to sort of contend with thankfully and touch wood up until this point i've been pretty lucky when it comes down to travel i do try and plan my travel so i at least have a little bit of a buffer time because you know you can't control what's going to happen in the airlines my bowling balls could get lost so if that happens i want to make sure that i have enough time to kind of figure out my situation on the professional tour we're very lucky that we actually have it's like a transport lorry that has bowling balls on it and we have access to drill new bowling balls whilst we're at those tournaments so if i did ever lose you know some of my bowling balls i would have access to be able to drill new ones and when i travel i make sure that all of my accessories and my shoes that i need for the tournament travel with me so that that way i never show up to the event and i don't have my shoes and how many balls do you have like what's the sort of standard like i feel with tennis players like six rackets a golf so many clubs what's the standard that you so standard is probably different for everyone if i was just bowling a local tournament at the weekend i would have six to nine whereas at the us open i had 21. so it really just depends on the events um, at the professional level you're going to find a lot of men a lot of women probably have 15 to 20 bowling balls at that event sometimes we are limited on the number we can throw and sometimes we're not so at the us open we could actually only register 10 of those bowling balls whereas at some of the other events we can throw as many as we want what's the most difficult thing for you being in the sort of professional life as a bowler you touched on see a lot of time out in america and that the potential concerns you had about that about missing home um, i'm not sure if there's anything else that stands out for you I think probably the ups and downs like it's really hard I'm competing against the best in the world and as good as you know I've got and as much knowledge and experience as I've gained like I know that I'm going to have bad performances and it's dealing with those bad performances and still bouncing back the way our schedule has been this year it's been very back to back to back so if you have one bad event you have to wake up the next day and compete again and you have to try and forget about what just happened so I think the ups and downs um is is very difficult yeah and i think probably one of the big downs was something we reported on last year yourself with your issue with your visa and probably now saying you'd never hoped to have to to go through in this strange world we've lived in the last couple of years how challenging was that whole experience to deal with because i'm guessing it was completely sort of out of your control it wasn't like saying you've done while doing your profession it was 
just saying that you were like, how do I sort of fix this? Yeah, it was a nightmare, to be honest. Um, I would love to say like, oh, it's fine. Like it all went easy, but it was it was very unexpected. Um, a lot of stuff ended up happening and in the end, everything got figured out. So it's nice to be able to say, oh, I was able to come back. I was able to compete, but it was really hard in the moment because I felt like I'd done everything right. Yet it didn't work out that way. But I was really thankful for the bowling bowling community and their support. I actually got a lot more support, a lot more messages than I thought I would have. Visas have been something that have have been an issue ever since I've come to the US. It's something that you always have to have. But it's something that I'd never really talked about because it's very personal and I didn't feel like people needed to be involved. However, this was the first time that I'd really talked about it. And it was difficult talking about it. It was pretty emotional talking about it. Um, but I received so much support that I think that made it a lot easier. Well, that's great to hear. And I think that was the sort of outpouring we saw is that just people were a bit shocked by it all. And it's great that everyone got behind you with it. And obviously that linked to that, that time was COVID and stuff like that. And it would be right in saying that, obviously you said you went pro in 2020, then COVID happened. So is this hopefully one of the first years for the tour where things are sort of getting back to normal, is it? Definitely. Last year, things were decently normal, but I still missed the first three events because of my visa. And then we had a lot of events where we had a lot of COVID restrictions. So there's a lot less people that are competing because we had to test at every event. So I think this year is the first year of normality that we've had. We are back to having some more international players. Um, Team Sweden and Team Singapore were able to come over. So for us, that's huge to be able to get the best in the world and to be able to have more entries at our events. Um, And for me, I'm able to bowl the whole tour this year versus missing those events that I did last year. There's a question I always ask for people that listen to the podcast. We do a bit of a reflection on ourselves, if possible. Um, and I went, dived into the Echo Archive, and then in 2012, um, we reported on a, a young bowling star who delivered a perfect game of 300 on her way to uh, claiming the European Youth Championship title. What would Verity Crawley, with your years of experience as a professional, tell that 17-year-old starlet in terms of advice? I think I would tell her to keep going. Um, I know looking back on my junior career, there was a lot more losses and a lot more heartache than I I think I realized. So I think I would tell her that if you keep pushing and you keep following your passion, then you can do anything. Absolutely. I think it's the best for everyone who's got that sort of drive for something. Um, It can really sing through. And um, away from bowling, what sort of your your passions or hobbies? Is there something that might sort of surprise people or shock them? Bowling fills a lot of my time, so I don't really tend to do a whole lot, but I do really enjoy going on walks, um, just being out in nature. I love sun. Um, One of the main reasons that I'm in Florida is because of the weather, Um, but just being able to get outside and go for a walk is probably, especially over the last couple of years, something that I have started to enjoy a lot more. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people in that boat sort of getting at one with nature. And specifically on the bowling side of things, is there anything that you think... Often I say people might have a misconception about the sport or being professional or saying they might shock and surprise people about being a professional temping bowler. Well, I think a lot of people don't realise you can be a professional temping bowler. And I think that's what's so important to kind of get out there is that it is possible. Bowling's obviously not as big in the UK, even as it used to be. Um, and I feel like it's just not known about that there is a professional tour. There's a professional men's tour and there's a professional women's tour in the US. And I think that's important for a lot of people to know. Mm. And do you see yourself as a bit of a role model, potentially sort of carrying the flag for bowling as a Brit? 
I hope so. Um, I like to think that, you know, I can kind of spread the word about bowling and try and show people what is possible. Obviously, I, I grew up in the UK. I, I started bowling in the UK. I, I come back as often as I can. Um, and I hope that I can kind of show people, whether it be through social media, things that I'm doing that it is possible to take bowling to the next level. Uh, and just generally speaking, what would your sort of advice be to any sort of youngster out there who's sort of maybe listen to this or for whatever reason come across that, oh, something I can actually do professionally and, and like maybe they're just at a youth league or something like that, what would be your advice on them? Is it just enjoying it at that stage and really committing to it as much as they can? Definitely. I think obviously it all comes down to enjoyment. If you enjoy it, then stick with it. If you really feel like you have a passion for it, then try and get some access to coaching. That way you can really start to develop the fundamentals of your game and just compete as much as you can. You know, find tournaments to go bowling and reach out for help. Yeah. So and just lastly, I just want to really end in a round really because we started talking about the US Women's Open. I was looking at sort of stats for last year. You're among the, the top earners in terms of prize money, top point scorers, and you're the only professional female British champion. But how proud are you of what you've achieved to date and potentially what you've got ahead of you? I'm extremely proud. I mean, I love the fact that I am able to do this and I'm able to show the UK that it is possible. However, it also makes me sad at the same time that I am the only female professional bowler, right? I want there to be more. I want there to be an abundance of professional bowlers from the UK that are out here competing on tour. So I just hope that I can kind of create that pathway um, for future bowlers to be able to do what I'm doing. Excellent. Well, I'm sure you'll keep inspiring plenty of people along the way. And best of luck with your, um, your goal of world champion. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me and just listening to my story. That concludes this episode of the Echo Dispatch. I always love speaking to people who are working day in, day out to be the very best in their chosen field. I'm sure Verity will be successful in her hunt for that world title. And before then, she appears to have agreed to teach me a thing or two on the lanes when she's back in the UK. As a reminder, this podcast is available on a number of major platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. Please let me know your thoughts on the series and anyone you'd like to be interviewed by emailing me on jason.lewis at bournemouthecho.co.uk. Thanks for listening and bye for now. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis.